0: Well, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Everyday Theology, where we as ordinary pastors connect theological truths to everyday believers. My name is Ben Campbell, and I'm joined by another ordinary pastor. It's not Dustin Walters. It's our other contributor at Everyday Theology, Matt Honeycutt. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Hello.
1: Hey, it's good to be with you today, Ben.
0: We are... uh, We are so excited that Matt's uh, getting able, being able to do this now. So, uh, what we're going to do is uh, this podcast is going to be "Get to Know Matt Honeycutt." (laughs) So uh, that could either be really good or really bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it may uh, may maybe on swing on the bad side, but we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how many curveballs you can hit. (laughs) So, uh, so what we want to do, and in all seriousness, what we want to do is uh, just allow. Uh, our listeners to get to know you a little bit and uh, and um, get to know the real Mad Honeycut. So, uh, Matt, tell us a little bit about uh, maybe like where you grew up and uh, kind of your background and maybe how you came to faith in Christ.
1: Uh, okay, Ben. Um, you know, I'm from originally. I'm a Tennessean, and uh, most of my ministry has been here. I've had the opportunity to go to other places, just in not work out, but uh, it's kind of strange the way that it did work out. Um, I never would have thought myself to be in ministry, but growing up, um, just had a, a, you know, a sense of, of God kind of leading me down a certain road, but uh, my faith uh, came when I was about six years old when I turned to Christ, and uh, we'll just go back there. I'm, I'm originally from Murfreesboro, so Murfreesboro, Tennessee, almost the exact center of the state of Tennessee. And, um, as I was there growing up, you know, I grew up in kind of, I would say my family were, uh, not probably, you know, devout Christians, Protestants, but, uh, in a sense, we were more nominal than anything else. And, uh, we would go on occasion, you know, my parents would take us on occasion. We were, um, not a part of any, I never got really plugged into any youth group. Um, that really wasn't a thing in our family, but, uh, we would go, you know, maybe once on Sunday, every other week or maybe once a month or something like that sometimes we would go more often but it's just kind of more off and on hot and cold kind of thing uh when i was six years old actually i was going to a school named uh, mitchell nelson um primary or elementary and uh my parents both work so i usually would go to a a daycare i guess after school program and uh some good friends my mom had um had met them through, uh, you know, a church uh, that we were attending. And, um, I, I believe it's how that come about that relationship. And so, uh, I would actually walk from the school grounds through, uh, past a field and in through a fence in the backyard of their, of their house. And I would go in me and other kids would be there. And it was there that I kind of, uh, first, uh, got to know Jesus Christ, I think, you know, kind of more intimately.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: uh, the the young lady's name that uh, that was kind of witnessing to me as I was a child there, her name was Rita. And uh, she was, I think she was actually going to be going on uh, the mission field. I, th- I want to say, I'm not too certain about that, but I want to say that she was going to do that kind of work. And so she had witnessed to me. She had you know told me about sin and about the way things were in the world. She is just kind of in a, to explain to a child about Jesus Christ and what he did for me and uh, for paying for my sins and just uh, recounting the gospel story and the resurrection, you know, everything that's key to that. Mm -hmm. And uh, she would do that, you know, quite often. And she would just lead me uh, over time uh, to um, uh, see Jesus uh, the way that, uh, uh, that, that she felt was, was uh, good for a child to understand. And then the Holy Spirit led me, Uh, definitely had uh, pricked my heart and, and then I had accepted Christ. And it was, Uh, not, it was probably years later, um, after that experience when I knew things were different, you know, and I came to Christ that way at that daycare and I knew things were different. Um, just the way that I saw the world was a lot different and, uh, just the personal relationship that I with Christ would start growing then. Um, it was about, I was age probably 13, um, at at church I was attending that I actually got baptized then. So, I mean, that's seven years later, nearly, um uh so it was it was nearly seven years uh that i was i think I had maybe just turned thirteen or something, and so I had been baptized and then um kind of uh not really got serious about the word I always felt god you know God kind of leading me down a certain road or h i knew he was there and that he'd cared for me, loved me, but I wasn't really sold out yet you know as children you you kinda it's hard to grasp that um mm-hmm. just thinking back to it but uh I had you know, went to high school, and I always considered myself a Christian, and um, I tried to do the right things. Tried to, you know, make sure I was uh, living in obedience to Christ the best I could, with not even going to church. Uh, should and so that was difficult, you know, not being with a with a membership and um, a church. Uh, that was kind of difficult to be a Christian in that time. But I went to high school, graduated, ended up going in the military, and uh, went a little bit wayward. Then came back, went to college, and that's when I really started to get serious for you know uh, in the Lord. And um, uh, met my seem to be wife at uh, while I was going attending college. She wasn't there, but I had met her through some mutual friends. And then it was when actually when we moved away from my from my hometown that I actually started to. Uh, Get a little more serious about about the Lord, and so I had was set under the preaching of a really great preacher. His name was Mike Marival. Mm-hmm. I was working for a company called Vulcan Materials Company. Mm-hmm. Um, and I trained to be a salesman for them. That was my degree background was business, and so I wasn't even mm-hmm. thinking on the lines of pastoral ministry at that time. wasn't even on my radar. Um, I was just trying to make a career, and so I sat underneath his preaching, and it became it came up. Um, there was a, a difficult decision that I had to make in my life, and um, it was one of those times where uh, it was a career breaker at that point. And it was either either I follow Jesus or I follow my career path. And mm-hmm. uh, I just Jesus that day, and uh, it was a scary moment, scary time. Um, some things had come up ethically that I questioned about what the company was doing you know, in relation to uh, alcohol and things like that. Being a salesman, you, you kind of wine and dine people. So I had a problem with that. I talked to them about it. They didn't really understand. And um, that's, uh, that's kind of when uh, I started to sense that God is, uh, is doing something within me. And it was sitting under the preaching, the you know, solid preaching at that time, Yeah, I was growing and uh, just uh, just started to get on fire for God, you know, so I I hope it's kind of, you know, that kind of leads us up to the point where I um, was about to enter ministry. But that's kind of the cliff notes of my of my, I guess, my profession of faith.
0: Yeah. So you uh, yeah. So you ended up how many churches have you pastored?
1: Uh, this is my third pastorate, and I've uh, been in the ministry about ten years. Um, okay. First, my first one was more like in like uh, an interim type pastoral ministry. The second one was, uh, I think, more of a serious type ministry, and then uh, the third one is definitely one that I really I fit with the best.
0: So, uh, so you are a pastor, and uh, that's one of the things that that we kind of. Uh, Pride ourselves on here at Everyday Theology is that we're all pastors, we're all serving in local churches, and that was, you know, a big thing for us. But uh, but you do have advanced degrees in theology. So you mentioned you went to uh, you went to MTSU, isn't that right? That's right. Yeah, Middle Tennessee okay. State. Um, yeah, that was my hometown. So it was
1: natural when I got out of the military to come back home and go to school there. That was my plan, and I was just following that through at the time.
0: Hmm. So Dustin's, I think Dustin's been to like three or four schools during his seminary journey. Um, but but you and I, we weren't in the program together, but you and I both uh, have the uh, Master of Arts in Theology and Ministry from Welch College. And so tell us a little bit about that. How was that experience, especially like what? Well, OK, let me back up. Tell us about that. But first, tell us how you got into the Free Old Baptist denomination, because this is uh, sort of a key part, probably a key part to your testimony, especially now. So uh, just tell us. Uh, a little bit about how you came, where you came from, and how you got to Free Will Baptist.
1: Okay. Uh, well, it kind of goes back to that end of that story I was telling a minute ago about my conversion and uh, Pastor Mike over in Knoxville. Uh, that was an independent Baptist church. It wasn't a fundamental church. Yeah. Uh, it was an independent Baptist. Uh, most people think about independent Baptists as being fundamentalists, but not all of them are. Um, it was a little bit more laid back. It was more like a Southern Baptist church, uh, to be honest. You could, if you were sitting in there and you uh, went there, on, you, you couldn't tell uh, distinction from the name outside if it was Southern Baptist or independent at that point. So it's just a, kind of a typical, uh, everyday um, Southern Baptisty like uh, church. Um, and so I grew up kind of in that Calvinist background. Uh, the once saved, always saved uh, doctrine. I wasn't, uh, I, I knew about it, I grew up about it, I knew the arguments. And um, just kind of, as I started to read scripture on my own, um, I started to come to some different conclusions than what I was being taught. Uh, and uh, that was just uh, my formation. And um, so how I got into the Free Will Baptist denomination, by the way, I didn't even know what a Free Will Baptist was, let alone a General Baptist, which is where Free Will Baptist's um, kind of derive their, um, I guess, the lineage from the early English General Baptist. And so I had no idea, never even heard or seen a free will Baptist church. And so uh, it's kind of quite strange. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time that uh, that I had uh, went to um, my uh, superiors in, in Vulcan Materials Company, I actually got demoted. Um, I lost about a third of my pay because I decided not to do what they wanted me to do. And I stood my ground and I thought they were going to fire me, but they didn't. So they stuck me essentially in a corner of, uh, of the uh, company. And I eventually uh, there was an opening that came up back here in the Middle Tennessee area. I was trying to get back home. Uh, nothing was working out there in that, uh, that department. So um, I made a move back here. In the Middle Tennessee area, and uh, we, we just had didn't have that many. It was it was some different churches around. Here. Southern Baptist very large Southern Baptist church. Um, the independent Baptist churches around here were very were fundamental, and uh, we didn't feel we didn't feel um, at home going to those. And so we looked for other churches, and we ended up settling at a church called New Hope Free Will Baptist Church. <laughs> and at um, time it was kind of a, a, a I guess you'd call it a medium sized church, maybe probably large in some estimation is about 350 members that were there when we started going there. And uh, my wife actually has family that were all, uh, that all attended free will Baptist churches. Um, Her brother who goes to uh, another local free will Baptist church, he's now a deacon in that church. We attended there for a little bit, uh, but we were more interested at the time uh, for, you know, uh, youth programs, things like that. We had small children. Yeah. on, we settled on new hope and uh, it was there that i really started to wrestle with uh with theology you know if you come out of a certain background especially going from calvinist to arminian there's a huge struggle there and uh because you know for years I, it was ingrained in me uh, about certain theology that uh, even though i did not truly accept it because i had as i read scripture i thought that this really didn't line up well with yeah. scripture uh, but as I started to sit under Free Will Baptist preaching, I was thinking, "This is kind of what I." know, even before I got in the Free Will Baptist church, I was starting to lean toward Armenian anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started to find some, um, started to read a little bit of Arminius himself uh, and Jacobus Arminius, and, and what he believed about the scriptures. And I was like, I, I kind of have an affinity uh, toward what he's saying here. I, I agree with him on many on many points, and so. Later on, found a free will Baptist church, didn't really realize, you know, uh, the Armenian side of it, and so I kind of agree with their theology, and of course, I wrestled with some things, and then uh, eventually, after much prayer and uh, God leading me, I felt like uh, this is what I truly believe. I think, it, to me, I was convinced in my own mind, mm-hmm. not to say that, you know— um, the Calvinist way is the wrong way uh, by no means that, you know, some are convinced in their own mind that that is the true way. And so I think you, you really, for conscience sake, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to doctrine, you need to be convinced and yeah. uh, don't just, don't just go with the flow because the majority of people, you know, choose to go once saved, always saved, or, you know, you have uh, most of your friends go Armenian or whatever. You need to choose it. Because you're convinced in your own mind according to what you know about scripture. So that's the way I chose. Like I said, a struggle, you know, I had a struggle with that. But over time, as I read more scripture and I meditated on that, um, certain key scriptures kind of stuck out to me is that this is what uh this truly means. Mm-hmm. Um so it was uh about five years after attending uh New Hope Free Will Baptist Church. I was a trustee there, I was very involved. Uh, than any other church I've ever been involved in. Um, And so I really loved it there. I taught Sunday school just to help out on occasion, not very much, Um, kind of like a training kind of like thing. And uh, it was that time that I felt like uh, that I had left. Uh, The economy got bad. I was in between jobs and um, felt like uh, God wanted me to do something ministerial. I didn't realize really what it was. God was impressing me one Sunday Uh, and it was actually several Sundays, probably four or five that I went up front to the altar and I just prayed. I was like, God, I don't know what you're, what you're doing to me. I don't know if I need to repent of something or what it may be. And I had a church member there, uh, a discerning church member come up and talk to me and spoke with me and noticed that I had gifts in in certain areas. And so he had kind of gently kind of nudged me toward maybe pursuing, you know, a life of ministry Mm -hmm. and, uh. At first, I was scared to death, and then uh, after the rest of that, um, I said yes, And so that's what leads me to um, being trained. I, I don't want to get into all of that at this point, but that eventually led me to uh, with not having a background as I got into ministry, not having a background in theology. I knew I needed more. Um, I re- at that point, I was like, you know, I wish I would have done something undergraduate, you know, with theology. But I can still have the best of both worlds. I can have the business aspect uh, that would be helpful in ministry, but I also want the theological background, the training in that. So Welch College, they started up this new program. I was looking other places you know, for some kind of master's level degree because yeah. uh, I didn't need another four-year Bible degree. I already had four years of undergraduate. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to do as efficiently as possible, you know, with, uh, the money situation and trying to get, uh, the best education I could, then Welch come up with this program. And so, um, that kind of, uh, piqued my interest. I was in the first cohort it Took me about three years to complete the program, but, uh, I enjoyed every minute of it. And it was a great program. Um, I'm glad they got the divinity program now. And so I'd really love to do that, but it's just not in the, it's not in the anytime near future.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, uh, you kind of, I took the same route. I, I kind of did the, uh, it took me about two years, two and a half years to complete the, uh, the master of arts program, but, but uh, it is an 18 month program. So if you want to take two classes per term and, kill yourself for 18 months you can do that (laughs) but uh i you know you you and i were both working and doing that and there were guys in there that weren't working that were able to take two classes i couldn't i couldn't do it i was working two jobs and my wife was in school too so and we had kids yeah that makes it hard one class yeah that's kind of the yeah that's right so uh um yeah so Tell tell us a little bit, just a l- little short snippet about your thesis, because you had to write a thesis in the program. Just kind of do that, and then maybe just add on on the end of that. Maybe just some in- theological interest that you have.
1: Well, uh, my thesis for that program, uh, just do that. I mean, we could either choose a project or a thesis. Uh, the
0: thesis more appealed to
1: me because it could set me up for. I felt like for other things in the future academically, yeah. and. My, my thesis wa- was related to uh, more legalism and antinomianism, you know, uh, people who live according to the law, legalism or antinomianism, which is anti-law, uh, those who live in a, you know, in a kind of um, what you would call, I think Grudem has called it free grace uh-huh. or that uh, it's um, the easy believism. Mm-hmm that he's kind of wrote a book on. It's really good about that. And so uh, I wrote a, I wrote a paper on that, and uh, that kind of, it really didn't interest me, but I had a lot of material on it, and nothing's really been written much on it that I had okay. noticed kind of in our circles, and, uh, except Four Lines. Uh, Leroy Four Lines wrote quite a bit on it. Uh, he was probably one of the more, the more foremost theologians in our movement that's written more about that than anything Um. Than anyone else. Uh, Dr. Picarelli as well. Uh, Robert Picarelli also wrote uh, some things along those lines that I was able to use from source material. Mm-hmm. But essentially what I was doing, I was kind of looking at um, legalism and antinomianism from you know a reformed or classical Armenian standpoint, and I was comparing and contrasting uh, Calvinist thought with Armenian thought on the very subject. And uh, it turned out to be, a, uh, I, I think, a decent mm-hmm. paper um, something I would have chosen to begin with. I actually want to do something along the lines of the Trinity, uh, which that was, uh, something a little bit out of bounds for me because of the depth of it. So I decided to go with this. Um, it was more familiar to me and it ended up working out quite yeah. well. Uh, so I was trying to figure out the, and remember the title is one of them long academic titles, but I'm sure it's no, it's no point here at, you know, throwing that out there. But anyway, the subject was legalism and yeah. synonymism essentially. So you- from a uh, standpoint of Galatians. Yeah.
0: Um, so we, uh, yeah, we had to write a thesis and uh, that was the worst six months of my life. So far, so <laughs> Same far, here. I had a lot of books on my dining room table every night. Couldn't even eat on the dining room table hardly because it had so many books on there. And uh, yeah, it was goodness. awful. <laughs> but, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, so uh, what about some some just different Interest in theology, pastoral ministry. What about some of that?
1: Well, uh, some interest uh, maybe a little bit peculiar. When it, I'm really, I really love uh, you know Free Will Baptist doctrine. You know, uh, I really, if I can find my hand, get my hands on anything like that, even the basics of it, I want to try to get it and uh, just to hone my understanding of it. And uh, understand, you know, more about subjects like prevenient grace, and uh, even the possibility of apostasy is has actually interested me. And and um, I did some things on that. I've done some really in depth studies mm-hmm. on that. Uh, things that I've tried over into church uh, teachings for Wednesday night services worked out quite well to benefit me and the church. Um, subjects, you know, like the like the basic uh, arguments between you know, Calvinists and Arminians, um, about election and, and free will. Uh, those kinds of subjects interest me. Predestination, you know, uh, all those kind of big words have always kind of interested me. Um, something else, too, that, that also kind of piqued my interest was the subject of washing of the saints' mm-hmm. feet. You know, we do that ordinance. We believe that is an ordinance. Uh, that was a little strange to me coming into this movement because I, I had actually heard about it uh, very, uh, not very. You know, I haven't heard much about it uh, growing up about other you know churches doing that. I didn't know what it entailed, and know any of the subjects about it. But um, uh, Dr. Matt Penson had written a little book, "Washing of the Saints' Feet," that really uh, um, convinced me that wow, this is definitely an ordinance that we should be observing, not a you know something cultural yeah. that took place in the past. Because one of those key things in there. About that is that, you know, generally in the in the cultural sense, yes, they wore, you know, uh, uh, folks in that day over the Middle East wore sandals. And, and as they would come into a home, they, ha- they would have non-Jewish servants that would wash their feet uh, from those dusty roads before they ate a, a meal or, or visit with the family, whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Uh, noticing that, you know, that text specifically in the upper room, uh, night of the Passover or uh, right before that, um, Jesus about to die that he actually uh, did not wash their feet before they ate. So there, there's uh, some, he turned kind of a cultural, culturally uh, relevant thing into something more, in something yep. deeper. And uh, he did not wash their feet before the meal, but he did that after the meal. You know, it doesn't make sense to me why that that would occur after a meal if it was just to wash their feet for cleanliness because they're about to partake, a, you know, and eat a meal mm-hmm. together. Because the way... Sit at the table; they would recline, and so essentially, the other person's feet were like almost in your <laughs> face, you know, and, uh, and sense so of the next person beside you. So that's why they would do that. So I'm sure they had their feet washed before they ate, and then Jesus, their master, did that, and he um, in, infused some profound theological significance there. And I think it's important that we observe that today uh, for various reasons, uh, good reasons mm-hmm. to do that. I- so those are things. Me. You know, there's there's other things too. Uh Free Will Baptist history and um I know I'm I'm adding on to that that question, but uh Thomas Helwes yeah and Thomas Grantham, um, you know, those two uh uh big, you know, big hitters in the general early English general Baptists, those those men, the autobiographies of them really interest me because they believe uh similar things as you know, modern day Free Will Baptists mm-hmm. believe. And uh they, Quite amazing and two most folks don't know this that you know english general baptists were the very first baptists not southern baptists or independent or primitive or anything like that uh it was actually the early english general baptists which were the very first baptist denomination
0: mm-hmm. baptist movement tradition yep. yep i have an affinity for the, the early english baptists as well and uh i like studying them and um but uh, we're going to have to get we're going to have to get you on the next uh, for Lindsay and Friday episode because the, the Trinity is the next chapter. And so mm. I, I like talking about the Trinity, too. So and I like I like reading As- and stuff. So, um, well, Matt, uh, it's been good to kind of <laughs> I mean, I know you, but it's been good for our listeners to get to know you. Um, anything that you'd uh, like to leave our listeners with before we sign off here? Uh, It would be. You know, if anything, it would probably be this.
1: Um, don't go with uh, with popularity uh, when it comes to Scripture, but read Scripture for yourself. Try to meditate on it. Try to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak through the Scriptures to you. And uh, just uh, just follow your conscience uh, to, a, to a degree when it comes to that. If you're saved, you know, conscience is awakened with all the yeah. Holy Spirit. You know, just be honest with your with yourself when it comes to theology, and and be honest about that. Ask the hard questions, and um, I think that way that I'll give you a you know a very good foundation. You know, when it comes to scripture and uh, you know your journey.
0: And you say that not just tongue in cheek. You say it because of experience. Absolutely, and uh, you know if I would have
1: stayed in the in the uh, Independent Baptist movement. Um, I'm, a firm, I'm a firm believer that if I would have stayed in that movement, that I probably would not be as committed to it as I mm-hmm. am today, to the denomination part of today. You know, you got you to gotta do these things for conscience sake. You can't defile your conscience. And if you see something in scripture that you have questions about, pursue it yeah. until you're satisfied with the answer. You know, and, um, you know, ask others that can maybe lead and guide you from both mm-hmm. sides. Um, You know, it's easily it's we're all I think many of us are easily swayed to accept our grandmother and grandfather's religion, you know, denominational leanings. And so um, uh, that's a tough thing to do because you can be, you know, in a way some people can be ostracized from a family because of that. But just be honest with yourself about when it comes to theology, because it's for all of life, as Leroy Four Lines would say. And if it impacts your life, don't just do it do it but uh, if you truly believe something then don't be ashamed of it
0: absolutely Paul says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling so uh, absolutely thanks so much to your listener for listening to us leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform and until next time we hope that these truths reach you for your good and for God's glory